you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we learn what happened after the Battle of Meridian, explore a far zenith facility searching for a Gaia backup, and combat Slitherfangs. Welcome to episode 34 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jared, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. Yes, I'd like to welcome any new listeners and any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol, and we love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game. So uh, yeah, please join us on our Discord at mash.gg slash discord where we have channels dedicated to horizons are Dawn and forbidden west we're in the forbidden west part now so that's what that's the conversation that's going to be flowing over there but we'd love to see you there and yeah this is our first episode not of forbidden west but of the actual story part of forbidden west last time we talked about you know most of the systems and changes and what we liked what we didn't like you know things like that and in this episode we're finally going to start getting started talking about the story. So that's exciting. I was just going to say super exciting. That's all. It was, you know, it doesn't add anything, but it is exciting. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, for those who have been listening for a while, if you listen through our Horizon Zero Dawn episodes, things are going to be running a little bit different this time with Forbidden West. Uh, we changed up the format a little bit and we hope you guys enjoy it. But uh, yeah, we're going to start off with a recap of our first mission in Horizon Zero, uh, Horizon Zero West, (laughs) a recap of our first mission in Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon Forbidden West starts with Aloy riding through the wilds, heading to a yet unknown destination. On the way, we can see the effects of the loss of Gaia on the terraforming system. Storms are stirring, water is undrinkable, and the blight is spreading through the land. Once Aloy reaches her destination, she falls asleep and dreams a repeating dream. Upon waking, she is surprised to see Varl. He tracked and followed her after she left Meridian during the victory celebration without notice. Despite being happy to see him, she tries to go on without him. Varl doesn't let this happen, saying that he owes her and will follow her on her mission. Aloy gives Varl a focus to allow him to see what she sees. On the way to the facility, Aloy and Varl find arrows and downed machines. They are not alone. Shortly after that, they finally make it to their destination, and Aloy discovers this was a far zenith launch facility. She is confused as to why they would have a backup of Gaia. Aloy and Varl find a destroyed Osram camp covered in acid. There appears to be no survivors. Varl finds an Osram prototype, and after finding pieces to repair it, Aloy now has a pull caster to help move objects stuck in walls and to grapple to certain points. Aloy and Varl find working holograms of Oswald Dalgard, spokesperson for Far Zenith. In one hologram, he is touting the Odyssey as humanity's next big step that will allow them to create the first off-world colony. However, later in a Far Zenith recruiting video, 
he reveals that the true nature of the Odyssey is to get Earth's elite population off the planet. He also mentions a data center at the launch site, and that's where Aloy believes the Gaia backup is. Deeper inside the facility, Aloy discovers how Farzanath got their hands on a backup of Gaia, Project Anzu. Farzanath placed an undercover asset in Project Zero Dawn, and that asset sent a copy of Gaia to Farzanath. While Aloy is disgusted by Farzanath's deception, Varl is trying to understand why Aloy and Elizabeth Sobek look the same. Aloy tries to explain to Varl that they are genetically identical, but he is having a hard time understanding. Once outside again, Aloy and Varl can see their target past a launch pad, but in the way are three Slither Fangs, the machines that killed the Asaram Delvers that they found earlier. Unable to combat all three machines at the same time, Aloy detaches the shuttle hanging above the launch pad from its base, which crushes the Slither Fangs and also causes the base to collapse. On the ground, one of the Slither Fangs survives, and Aloy has to battle it. Once the battle is complete, Aloy is finally able to enter the data center. Inside, she finds a copy of Gaia, or at least she thought she did. Turns out, Travis Tate uncovered Farzanet's plan and sent a logic bomb disguised as Gaia. Aloy is at her wit's end, as this was her last lead on finding a Gaia backup. Varl suggests that she talk to Silence, but Aloy hasn't been in contact with him since before the Battle of Meridian. Varl then suggests that Aloy talk to Spymaster Marat at Meridian, as he is good at finding people. She is hesitant, but agrees. After overriding two chargers, Aloy and Varl head to Meridian. Now, so let's start with the opening, like, monologue that we have with the uh, with Aloy. Now the, the opening uh, silence monologue, because that kind of just recaps the previous game, which we just spent 32 episodes doing that. <laughs> so we don't need to talk too much about it, even though I will say that his monologue does end with like, uh, you know, he talks about he got Hades and he found out something uh, new, like something new that's terrifying, but both an opportunity. Yeah, and he so. says, like, as useful as Aloy has been, he has to leave her behind. We, I, we can't, though. We cannot avoid bobblehead Aloy in this game, apparently, because they show her yeah. there. Yeah, they do show her there. So, But, uh, yeah, so her opening monologue with the game started, it looks like she's headed toward her last lead on a guy backup. That's what she's been doing for the uh, last few months. Uh, but all of her leads have, you know, turned out to be dead ends. And... um I don't know, based on what they show in the video, if it's accurate to the Horizon Zero Dawn map, it looks like it might be going east of Devil's Thirst. Mm. That's where I think it might be going. Now, we had the last time they did an opening for Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Uh, they, um, like that mountain thing, like that was definitely not accurate to where they were actually supposed to be. No, they do that again. We'll talk about it when we get to it, though. That's not on this episode. But they do it again. I swear they do. Oh, yeah, where they take you through areas that aren't, like... Yes! Yes. It, it doesn't make sense for the character to be there based on the map. Yes. But okay. that's in, like, an episode or two. So we'll we'll get there soon-ish. It's something I didn't catch, so, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll we'll see once we get there. All right. But yeah, so it, it does look like she's going east of Devil's Thirst, and it, it just kind of gives you like an immediate update on the game world. Uh, be, so you know, I don't know if they brought it up in any marketing material or anything like that, but 
I know I said I wasn't going to watch any of it or read any of it. I know Christina didn't. But I had said that I think the problem with the blight, because I knew there was a blight just because of watching that one state of play. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I knew I said I think the problem with the blight is that the terraforming system is getting out of control. So that was actually true. The terraforming system is getting out of control. So there's been like more aggressive storms. Uh, the blight is killing plant life and animals and the water is greenish. So I was like, well, I guess that's not good. But I think later on, Varl says that the lakes and rivers are choked with algae. But somebody else said red algae. So I, I don't know. Like, but I was just saying, like, the, the fact that the, the the lakes, everything, like, even the water, most of the water that you get into, especially toward closer to the beginning of the game, is all, like, greenish. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. So I, I just kind of figured that's that's all good. And then if some 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 water health nuts can come out of like, no, green water is great. You don't know what you're talking about. Our ancestors drank green water. I mean, there is like greenish water, depending on what water you go into. So I didn't really like the, think twice about it. Like lakes. You mean like and, the Jersey Shore? <laughs> yeah. Like isn't cedar water like really green and murky? Like you can't see through that at all. I don't even know what type of water that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think green water is kind of accurate, but like I, I, I don't. I'm not a theologist. <laughs> you, you coming up? <laughs> Fields of science this is great. <laughs> oh man. So uh, yeah, she she talks about this dream that she has all the time, where she's in a field of flowers and Elizabeth is waiting for her. But at the end of the dream, Elizabeth she like disintegrates and Aloy is consumed by the blight. And not sure if this dream shows up later because I haven't seen. I mean, I really haven't seen any place that looks like this so far. I haven't uncovered the whole map, but I'm pretty deep into the game at this point. It really you know, so reminds I me of Majora's Mask when you get to the end. Where you're like in that mm. field and there's that tree in the middle that you have to get to. That's what I thought of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, after that, like, I would just say that's, that pretty much ends the monologue. I mean, the monologue uses very lonely language for her. Uh, you know, like Aloy emphasizes she's always alone at the end of the dream. And, you know, and then, you know, when she's talking before, she's like, oh, she mentions that she's the only one that can save the terraforming system. And originally, I thought it was just to kind of catch players up on what's happening, but I really think it was to emphasize their loneliness because the way they emphasize, like, I'm the only one and I have to do this and I, 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 me, 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 mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, honestly, that comes up several times throughout the game. It's an ongoing theme. It's an ongoing theme. Yeah. Not just with her, but like when, you know, they bring up information or you see things with Elizabeth Sobek later. Uh, they also, it's like an ongoing theme about the, the loneliness, the, uh, you know, her being by herself and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, and I guess we'll we'll see where that lands toward the end of the game. Because at this point, I don't think we, we, neither one of us has beaten the game yet. Oh, no, no, we're, no. We're, we're just pretty deep into it. But, uh, yeah, but after the opening monologue, that's when you actually start your your first mission for the for the game. Your first quest, which is reach for the stars. And it starts with Varl catching up with Aloy. And Varl has a beard. He's beard daddy now. I know? love the beard so much. He should Why keep- wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to love about bearded Varl. Well, and that's the thing. That, go ahead. 
Wait, did you say there's nothing to love about Bearded Varl? No, I said there's there's nothing not to love about oh, Bearded okay. Varl. I didn't there's hear no the problems. double. Yeah, I didn't hear the double negative. Yeah, that's why you're not supposed to use them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that gets me later on, you know, Aloy actually disses his beard later. I didn't appreciate that. I'm like, what? I was said that's in my notes, uh, where she says that, and I was like, excuse me, that has nothing to do with you. Yeah, because she brings it up. She's like, oh, I see you have a new look. And he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to shave while I was chasing you down. You know, it's not permanent. And she says, good. I'm like, what? No, even he snaps back at her because he's like, sorry, my whiskers offended you. Yeah. Oh, didn't he say sorry? Like my whiskers anointed? Like, yeah, yeah. He's (laughs) anointed at the end of that. Oh, yeah. Like he knows that she doesn't like that. He pokes at her. He does it a couple times. Yeah. And during the interactions. So in the beginning. But yeah, I mean, apparently he's been tracking her for a while. I mean, later on, you find out that Sona's not too happy about it. Uh, you know, but as war chief, she understands. You know, so as a mom, she's like, no, I don't want you to go to where all those heathens are in the West. It was bad enough going to Meridian. She was super uncomfortable. She was in Meridian. so uncomfortable. She didn't say more than like two words. Exactly. And I mean, she I mean, she's still out. If he can go and has his secret status, I'm pretty sure she still has her secret status. Uh, things are are kind of lightening up over there. I, I would feel imagine. like that's something that doesn't just get revoked, right? Yeah, because he's just he just goes. He continues like to 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 go farther and farther from Norlands. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I just don't think there's much of a chance of us seeing Sona, which that's one of the characters I would love to see. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like we might. You think we still might see Sona? Yeah, because the way that Varl was talking, it sounds like he's been searching for her pretty much from, like, when she left. Who, Aloy? Yeah. What does that have to do with Sona? So she's going to be worried that he's gone. Like, she already lost one child, so you don't think she would go out there and look for him? She might, but she also takes her war chief duties super seriously. You know? That's the thing, like... She's not going to leave the Nora without the war chief. She, she is definitely not the type of person to put her personal feelings or thoughts above the, the tribe. I get that. But like, there's no war to fight right now. I guess there's right, still I the mean, machines. There's still the machines. The, the yeah. Nora are probably still recovering. That's you know, true. They only, probably can't afford to have more people leaving. Exactly. So it's only been six months. Like you'd find that out. Actually, I think pretty soon. Yeah. It's only been six months since you know, Aloy left the, the, the you know, since, well, since the, the battle at Meridian, since yeah. Hades was destroyed. I honestly, so. uh, w- the way he was talking, I was like, oh, this can't be any more than like seven months. So right. it's pretty obvious in the beginning. Yeah. A lot of people be jealous of his beard. a lot of guys who can't grow a beard that thick in seven months. Yeah. Yeah, Sucks. I guess. <laughs> I, I don't really have that experience, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I mean, there's there's no concept of fairness in the universe, guys. Just <laughs> it's just the way it is. All right. Uh, but yeah, so you do find out that Aloy did not stick around for the victory celebration at Meridian, and she like blames it on her being an outcast. She's like, you know, I was, you know, I'm not good with crowds, you know. And Vols like, well, this party was in your honor, so you're kind of supposed to, you know, stick around. Uh, and this is a sticking point in a few, you know, for a few people. But I think they kind of resolve it for most, most for the most part earlier in the game. But I know mm-hmm. Aaron definitely has something to say about her leaving like that. So that's going to be an interesting one. But uh, she tries to get rid of Arl, 
and he tells her that he's not going anywhere because he kind of feels a debt to her for what he did for her family, for what he did. Because, you know, Aloy was the one that went and found the war chief and found like, his mom mm-hmm. and then helped her and made sure she got back to the, uh, you know, to the uh, sacred land. Not sacred, sacred land, but the embrace safely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because if they, without Aloy, they probably would have died fighting, trying to fight, you know, you know, the Eclipse. Yeah, because she was the one that, yeah, she's the one that had the plan on how to go in and everything, so, and found out, she's the one that actually found out the Eclipse plan, because she found that data point, so they wouldn't have even found them, yeah. Yeah, so, or they would have died trying, because like I said, they have machines, so. Yep. But, so, you know, Varl's not going anywhere, and then she agrees to let him come and gives him a focus. And uh, when this happens, I was like, I was like, okay, Varl's going to be a major point of this game. Like, he's going to be in the game in the game. Yeah. And I even thought, I, I was thinking, I was like, is this the opportunity to get like a Varl DLC or something like that? <gasps> oh, I would love that. Yeah, because playing as Varl, he would, you know, he playing with him will be pretty similar to playing as Aloy, except he does have a different melee weapon. You know, he has that sword. I'm, uh, maybe not. Because maybe it would be to he wouldn't have like things with him, but I was gonna say maybe his DLC could be like him searching for Aloy, but then he wouldn't have the focus or you know any of that stuff. So maybe not. Yeah, like I think it would have to be post focus. Yeah, you know Varl. Yeah, so but you know based on how things happen later in the game, it just kind of opens it wide open. There's a there's a chance for Varl DLC here. He'd be one of the more interesting characters. Have DLC. I don't think I want an Aaron DLC. No, yeah. you just go to bars and try to outdrink everyone. I think that would be fun. <laughs> That's more of a mini game, not a DLC. Nah, I'd still play it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, and it also kind of feels like Aloy and Varl had a bit more time to talk about things because, like, you know, he's amazed, but he's not blown away by seeing, you know, what he sees with the focus. And he already knew it was a focus. He was like, ah. Uh, I never thought he's like, oh, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get my own focus. I never thought I'd get your second sight. So she's had to explain certain things to him since we, you know, we, we've seen them talk. So I thought the same thing because I was really confused. Like a lot of the intro stuff kind of feels like it goes slow and then boom, something that does you, you don't expect because it kind of doesn't make sense. And this was one of them. I even have it in my notes that it's like kind of odd that he knows what a focus is. but. He does have some time, like, he was in the Meridian, in Meridian, he, like, was at the after party that Aloy didn't show up, so, like, he has some time there, and if he talked to Aaron at all, you know, Aaron knows all of that info, so I think that he might right. have just learned it in the short time in Meridian, if not from Aloy, from someone else there. Yeah. Well, I mean, something happened because it, it's only been like six months or so, but yeah. Aoi, she apparently found a bunch of focuses. Uh, and I thought she might have taken them from Aluthia, but, you know, why would she go back there from Meridian? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But there's uh, so many there. There's so many there, yes. But she said she found a cache of them, and now she knows how to back them up and transfer data. So, you know, she's, she's had more experience with focuses in the last six months, right? Now, one thing I thought was interesting, once they kind of tell you how long the difference is between Zero Dawn and Forbidden West, we didn't hear anything about the Blight 
in, in Zero Dawn. We didn't hear anything about these storms. The water seemed fine. And you're telling me in the six months that you found out about Guy and now everything is like, you know, going off the rails? Because as she's riding through the, the, the eastern lands that we know of, like the blight is affecting the crops and, you know, she, she can see the storms and things like that. We didn't even get a hint of that stuff. Right. I'm wondering if like all of the things that happened with Hephaestus in the frozen wilds, because he know like he's he's pretty upset uh, and with Hades being destroyed. I wonder if that was kind of the trigger that pushed, you know, all of this stuff into overdrive. Well, I don't think anything's pushing anything in the overdrive. It's the fact that it's not being managed at all is the is the issue. Yeah. So that's the thing. I'm not 100% sure. So uh, the funny thing about Hephaestus, too, you brought up Hephaestus, is that um, I, I had been thinking about this for a while, but Hephaestus, while, you know, he does have that problem where, he, you know, the hunters are killing the machines and he hates that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if the terraforming system goes off the rails, he can't do his job at all because the terraforming, because, because they utilize natural resources like grass and turn it to blaze to make energy so that they can actually power up the cauldrons and you know uh, make the machines and things like that and without that without the natural resources he can't operate at all he should actually be on the same side as Aloy. that's that's true but we don't know because we know that they're somewhat sentient like they have they are kind of ais right now right but we don't know how far that goes and how many how much of a range of emotion they have so what if his emotion that he's feeling is just rage like we don't we don't know maybe he can only have one emotion at a time that's true because they were never made to be full ais even though they're ais now yeah so that's true yeah but this uh opening area because after you know give him the focus that's when you actually take control of aloy for the first time it has a lot of setup you know uh, it's like one part tutorial, and the framing for that is you trying to teach Varl how to use the focus for the most part. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, you're picking up medicinal plants, you're getting introduced to the blight, which has a, a dot on it or damage on it over time. My uh, favorite what? part about this, and it, she even does it in the intro of the game, where if you walk through blight, yeah, you get damaged every time. But at this part, she just picks up the blight. And then earlier, oh, she right. goes up to a fox that's like in blight as it's dying and pets it. And I'm like, I don't think that's good for your health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, what else should you do? Oh, you, you can swim pretty early. Like within, within the first few minutes of the game, there's a place for you to like swim. And I don't mind the swimming, but I don't think it adds too much to the game, to be honest with you. It makes me nervous. I think they try. I, swimming makes me nervous in any game. I think they try to make it as. What's the word I'm looking for? As like uh, realistic as possible. So if you have big water areas, then I guess she would have to swim. Right. Yeah. You definitely have larger water areas here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just from a gameplay perspective doesn't add much for me. I don't. Uh, you know, I don't hate it though. I am mad at it, <laughs> but it's just the same. I'm like, eh, don't mind it. Uh, so you get introduced to like new mechanics like knocking down ladders but but the thing is you don't see this too much later in the game like you see it all the time in the beginning of the game Mm -hmm. and then later in the game they're kind of like yeah that mechanic was kind of dumb we're just gonna (laughs) not use it all that much you know because 
you know, you'd have to shoot the the little thing on the ladder to make it fall down. The only time I really see it is like the overworld puzzles that you have to do. That's not even attached to any quest. It's just attached to a collectible. Yeah. And you know what else happens in this first area? You end up kicking down a bunch of those rope ladders, not just to help Varl get up, because sometimes Varl is where you are. And you'll see a rope ladder. And you can kind of kick it down. And I thought this meant that you'd be able to come back to this area, you know, later. But I don't think you can. I don't think there's any way to get back to this area after you go through it. Because there's so many places where you kick down the ladder because it usually signifies that this is an easier way to get back to where you are. Maybe it's just for just in case you fall down. I feel like you would have to, though, for just in case you might have missed anything. Maybe. I mean, it's not that much to miss in this first area, though. There's I mean, it's not, just, but... Yeah. This is like this is their their opening to the game, right? This is their uh, bobblehead Aloy moment, <laughs> you know, right. just trying to get you through the game. That's that's what it is. Now they they definitely pulled like a, I don't know so many games do it like a Metroid, you know, like where you know you were super powerful at the end of the last game, mm-hmm. and now you're not super powerful anymore. And uh, yeah, you know, I used to be really used to that in games when, you know, you play the next game and for some reason your hero is depowered. But you know what broke me out of that and realized it can be done? You can make a super powerful hero even more powerful. Infamous 2. Because they do that in Infamous 2. Like you, like by the time you're done with Infamous, like you're super powerful already. And then you get started with Infamous 2 and you're still just like as powerful. I mean, just add new abilities on top of that. That's that's something that is kind of upsetting about the game where even if because she just said oh yeah my stuff got stolen basically it just kind of brushes it off but even if that's true like all of her abilities are gone too like that, that doesn't make any sense to me yeah it's like not just the not just like the the stuff she had like you know the additional weapons and, and things of that nature but also her I, she must have lost her staff at some point because she can't override anything anymore even I, though she does have a staff with her i think actually because the staff that she had at the end of the game she attached her override to that staff and she doesn't have it anymore uh, another reason why i was extremely dumb for her to leave it inside of the hades module well we'll get to that when we get to that yeah, but still, like, like just re- another reason why it was a bad oh, idea. We talked wait. about it being a bad idea at the beginning. Wait, wait, the, wait. The the you're game. right, because she could have just taken it off the... If she just left the staff there, she, she could have just taken the override off the back of it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that is really dumb. Or, like, taking her n- new staff or new old staff, whichever one she's using, to all the cauldrons to get the overrides back. That might That might have taken some time, but, like, that's a... that's. It's a lot of uh, usefulness in it. Exactly. So yeah, she's lost all of her overrides. Be it that also that ancient armor. The one thing that made a little sense is that you know the so she's still wearing the ancient armor from the armory in the in Horizon Zero Dawn, but it doesn't work anymore because she lost the power cell. Mm, it, that would make more sense that it would just not the power cell died or something. Yeah, like the power cell died or that it got knocked off like she, in, in like a really tough fight or something like that, you know? So, yeah. So, but yeah, because Varl's one that kind of brings all that up. He's like, oh, yes, yeah, so you're, you're, uh, you're traveling light these days. And 
She, I don't think she doesn't say it's just she, her stuff got stolen. I think she says she lost some stuff along the way. You know, whatever that means. She said, yeah, I ran into trouble on the way here and lost a lot of my gear. I don't know what that means. I just assumed that it was stolen. Possibly. But who's going to steal stuff from her? That's the thing. Like, we're, we're talking about somebody who could take down Thunderjaws in two minutes without taking any damage. So, <laughs> you know. True. Who's going to steal from Aloy? True. No. I don't it's know. It's just so, it's so non, it's such a nondescript way of why you're powered down in the beginning of the game. Yeah. So, but uh, they do find a machine that has a bunch of arrows in it. So they know they're not alone. I mean, later on, we find out that they're Asaram Delvers and we'll find, about their, find out about their fate soon. And uh, Aloy asks what happens after she left Meridian. Brawl tells her there was like kind of an uproar and some of the people, oh, some of them realize that it, that, if she left, it must have been because to do something important. And I'm like, man, she just gets such a pass on her behavior. You know, she she gets such a pass on her behavior. It's her, mean, you know. She did kind of save Meridian slash the world. And she is right. She's not really used to this kind of attention. She was an outcast her whole life, only able to speak to like one person fully and then some random people on the side. I mean, that's true, but then we just went through an entire 50-hour adventure where she had no problem talking to people. She had no problem sticking her nose in people's <laughs> business. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And, like, you know, her, you know, her living Meridian without telling anybody comes up a couple times in the beginning of the game. Like, the first five hours, I would say. And she has, like, a not-so-friendly conversation with Aaron later about it as well. You know? So it's it's a sore point for some people, but like you know, for the most part, they're like, oh, she must have just left to do something important, you know, you know, it's Aloy. Like, no, like, that's, <laughs> a, that's not it's not a cool move. You can't just be leaving your own parties like that. You're not um, Bruce Wayne. But she she so okay. She you're right because we didn't know about the blight in the last game. So why was she so determined? I know she knows that she has to control the rest of the functions. But yeah, why does she say like, oh, there's like a super big purpose that I had to leave right away? Right. Like, or she could have just left the next day. Yeah. She could have just, she could have celebrated like that one night and could have left the very next day. They do make her a lot more cold in this game. And I don't know if it, they're trying to show like, oh, this is how she became after the last game. Or if it's just kind of a personality trait where they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. She was an outcast. We have to let that show a little bit more. Because she was very charismatic towards the end of the last game. Yeah, she was. You know, she was like, that's what happens when, you know, she had a whole bunch of people come to fight for her in Meridian because, you know, they like her as a person. Yep. I mean, because you can totally save somebody and nobody like you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for the assist. You know, and and that's it. So, yeah, I just that's something like she gets a pass on her behavior. Uh, but like I said, some people do bring it up. Um, you did find out that Sona immediately goes back to Sacred Land, like she said she was after Hades fight, like immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and once again, it sucks because I do want to see Sona again. So, but it's not too long before we see our first new machines. Uh, you, you see the first machine, the Burrower, which it replaces the Watcher. Yeah. Like the only watchers you see in this game so far, and I'm like 40 hours into it, are the ones in the opening cinematic. Actually, that is false. You do see watchers later on, but they're dead already. 
They're dead. Like they're already dead. You find you there's a side quest where you find dead watchers. That's so weird. And we theorized too that the reason why that they uh, the reason why they did this was because it, they didn't want to have watchers because she could override them. But then when you find out that's not true, you can't really you can't override the old machines. Yes, you you find out pretty quickly that the only machines you can override from the beginning of the game are chargers. Yeah, it's the only one is is just chargers. Uh, so yeah, I mean now that I think about it, she could have easily after the fight because all, uh, all the machines got deactivated. She could have easily gotten a uh thing off of the corruptors. I forget what they're called. The actual component that they use to corrupt or you know hack machines. The she could override. Have easily gotten yeah, I mean, that was called the the actual override. Yeah. I think so. But, well, that's what... Because remember in the beginning of the game, when she took it from the Corruptor, the only thing she could override is the Strider. And that's why she can still override the Strider, but not anything else. Right, the riding class machines. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, you don't see any Watchers. Uh, they, they perform the same exact function. And I, I think that they actually replaced the watchers with the burrowers because the burrowers can swim. When you get underwater, there's a, there's only two machines I've seen underwater. Three, actually. And we, there's there's a third one, but we're really going to wait to talk about that thing. Um, there are snap maws and there are burrowers that are underwater and they can swim. And for, the reason is obvious from a gameplay perspective and from a lore perspective. The burrowers perform the same exact function as watchers. They do the same exact thing. Um, but so I'm just deplo- uh, assuming that the terraforming system deployed them in areas with more water. Mm. But both watchers and burrowers are reconnaissance class machines. Doesn't really explain why they're in the desert, though. But they are. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wonder if from a uh, Hephaestus you know, I guess idea is you replace it with burrowers because they're more diverse in what they could do. And maybe like the uh, the output to create each isn't more, if any. So he was like, oh, whatever, we'll just do burrowers now. Yeah, but I don't think burrowers are a new machine, though. I, I think they've been around for a long time because the thing about like the Hephaestus, uh, all the machines that Hephaestus created himself are built to be like killers. They're like right. they're, they're built to, to hurt like you know they're they're built to be predators right he built the sawtooths the ravagers the thunder jaws that's true but and then he just repurposed the other machine so if you have a machine like a burrower who which is essentially it's an otter you know burrowers are supposed to be otters so cute uh yeah so it makes when they're above ground i think it's a little harder to to understand what they are because they fit so many different type of proto you know like uh archetypes yeah. But when you get underwater, it is definitely an otter. Like, like yeah. especially from the noises it makes. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's something that a like, guy would make and he just kind of repurposed it. So, I mean, they're definitely tougher than Watchers. In the beginning of the game, even in the beginning of Zero Dawn, you could one shot a Watcher in the eye. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, yeah, I played on hard in the beginning, but like, I don't even think on normal you can one shot a watcher sorry a burrower in the eye and it's gonna kill them nope i tried right away i i resorted to just uh stealth killing all of them because i couldn't one strike eyeball kill them yeah and they have both ranged and melee attacks like they could do so much stuff like they can melee attack you they can throw rocks at you some of them shoot plasma at you 
They have a deafening attack that they shoot at you. Like they have all this stuff that they can do. So and they burrow yeah, underground. Hence and the they name. burrow underground. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, they definitely hit a bit harder than the watchers did because the watchers like they would just have they had the eyeball thing that they could do, and then they just try to karate kick you, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, you'll find that there's just different types of burrowers and. I think you actually do need to identify which one you're fighting sometimes. I mean, once you're able to, like, one shot them in the eye, it kind of doesn't make a difference. But some are weak to fire, some are weak to acid, some are weak to neither, you know? So, you just got to watch out. But uh, later on, you do fight the second new type of machine that will come across scroungers. But the thing is, that they're like little scrappers. Mm-hmm. They're like, if scrappers are supposed to be, like, a cat type of machine, which I think it is, scroungers are, like, medium-sized dogs. That's what they look like. I guess, yeah. So, I just I just thought they looked just like scrappers. And it's kind of it's weird because they, like as I was getting close to them for the first time, based on the noise I heard, I just thought we were coming up to scrappers. And mm-hmm. I was actually getting excited. I was like, oh, finally, something I should be able to override. And then they get up there and Varl's like, oh, I've seen these before. I'm like, yeah, me too, Varl. He's like, they're scroungers. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, this is, like, you know, all, finally these new machines, like, that are clearly kind of sort of copies of the old machines. They just, they just look a little different. This is why I was thinking, like, oh, they must be doing this so that we can't override them. So we have a reason to go to find a cauldron or something like that. But that proved not to be true. So I honestly don't understand the purpose of the burrowers. Yeah, I just, I, I guess maybe so that they can have a base enemy that's a bit more active. But the scroungers? I don't understand what the point of of bringing them into the game was. No idea. Maybe just to show some new machines right away. I wonder if scrappers, I wonder if watchers weren't aggressive enough and if scrappers were too aggressive. I don't know because scrappers are the second, are the second machine you come across, the second attack machine that you come across in Zero Dawn. Yeah, that's my only theory that they wanted to dull one down and buff the other one. So they kind of just had new machines. Maybe, because, I mean, by the time you run into the scrappers in this game, it's not like they're particularly difficult. No. You know, so. Uh, yeah, but you, we do take out the burrowers, and then we enter the facility, and you find out that the place that they are, is it's, a, it's actually a far zenith launch facility. And Aloy is confused as to why they would have a backup of Gaia, so she tries to access, like, this pad that's at what used to be reception in... You know, her access is denied. So Elizabeth didn't have access to the facility, which, you know, makes sense because, you know, Far Zenith was very secretive. But if they worked with Zero Dawn to get a guy a backup, she would probably have access, right? So that kind of sets off some red flags right there that they have a guy backup, yet Elizabeth Sobek doesn't have access to the facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a little bit past that, you know, you, you crack a door open and, you know, you find a demolished Asaram camp. So that's the people who put the arrows in the machine before. And you could just, you can see that something clearly big came in from the roof and not only crushed the camp, but also sprayed acid all over the place. And this is the first place where we actually find a, well, the first new tool of the game, the pull caster, which allows Aloy to latch and on to and pull objects. She can use it to grapple. And she can also boost herself into the air with it. So, uh, I mean, the tool's nice. I mean, it's I would say it's definitely nicer when you when you're climbing, but yes, it does help with the verticality aspect of the game once you get the glider. 
Because you can shoot, like, there's several, there are these, like, poles that are, you can grapple onto and shoot yourself into the air and then use the grapple, i sorry, use the glider to glide down, which I fought my first rock breaker not long ago in this game. It is essential. It is essential <laughs> to be able to, like, to, to like, especially if you're in an area where you don't have a place to hide, uh, which actually doesn't even matter because if you run into the place where you're hiding, the rock breaker will detect you. So the only way I found to stop the rock breaker from detecting me is to grapple into the air, glide down because it loses track of you. you know? Yeah, I Unless really it sees like, you with its eyeballs. But go ahead. Oh yeah, I guess it does have those. I <laughs> yeah, I don't see too many things to cool unless it's like those very basic puzzles that they have. But the right. uh, the grapple effect is very cool. She's just she's just sitting into her Batman mode more and more. <laughs> yeah i mean the 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 pulling puzzles definitely tone down the farther you get into the game like i'm using it less and less because like, mm-hmm. i honestly forget i have it like i i have a feeling that you can pull a person with it but i keep forgetting to test it because when i'm actually in a combat with a human i just forget to test it i i kind of feel like you can't because they would talk more about it but then again, there's so many things in this game I didn't realize you could do that were simple, like refresh my berries because they never talk about it. So who knows? Right. Yeah. So yeah, you, you do get the pull caster. And uh, I would say for the for the early parts of the game, you're really just using it to pull stuff. Uh, but um, after removing some wall debris, Aloy and Varl are able to move forward. And they find a working hologram of Oswald Dalgard. Now, We've heard of Oswald before in Horizon Zero Dawn, but we've never heard him speak. We've never actually seen what he looks like. Uh, we just found those um, news articles with him, with mm-hmm. quotes from him. But he's the mouthpiece for Far Zenith, and he's the only publicly known member of Far Zenith. He is directing people into an auditorium to hear more about Far Zenith. And in the auditorium, he's talking about the Odyssey. He's like, oh, there's the next leap of humanity. To create an off-world colony. And before the hologram is complete, it actually stops because of corrupted data. So this is the same stuff that we heard in Horizon Zero Dawn that, you know, Farzanath is trying to, it's a futurist organization. So they're trying to push humanity into the future. That's what uh, they're, they're trying to do. And I think at this point, Varl is starting to kind of get overloaded, right? Because he's like, the old ones could travel through the stars. And he's like, <laughs> you know, starting to blow his mind. and. You know, stuff like that. And Aloy is just like super jaded at this point about this stuff. Because even when she found out originally, she was just like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the know? funny thing is, like, he, I kind of feel bad because Aloy, it feels like Aloy is babysitting him. And before she tried to tell him everything, but he was overloaded at that point, too. Right. And now he's trying to learn everything and he is like extra overloaded. But when they were trying to enter the facility, he also got scanned. And it was like, we don't know who you are. And he's like, oh, it doesn't like me either. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, <laughs> duh. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't say anything, but, but you could tell. Like, she's like, oh, come on. Yeah, she's like, you know, so close to saying, I am the chosen one. That's why, <laughs> you know. <laughs> don't call me anointed, but I am the chosen one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting very close to that, but. So in the next room, a hollow plays that reveals the true intentions of Far Zenith. We all know the projections. Economic instability, new biocontagions, rampant AIs. 
How long before another catastrophe creates unacceptable risk for the world's elite? We here at Farzenith believe, escape the inevitable. And so we reach for the stars. Now you've seen what we're building here. Infrastructure to support the Odyssey's construction. A state-of-the-art data center to facilitate rapid technological advancements. And you've seen how we're managing public perception. So invest and join us. Claim your birth on the Odyssey. Preserve your way of life beyond the concerns of Earth. So this is a recruitment video, and it reveals that the purpose of the Odyssey is to get Earth's richest people off the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, because they've been saying that they they just want to get humanity to an off-world colony and start spreading humanity across the stars. But that's not true. They want to get the richest people off the planet because the elites are worried about, you know, the markets failing or climate issues or, you know, they, they bring up a rogue AI, which was, I think we talked kind of about that. And a few episodes ago about vast silver, even though we don't have much information on the vast silver incident, but it was a time where like a climate AI went out of control and tried to kill a bunch of people. I don't know if it just like turned all the thermostats up to 100 and that's what it was doing or if it did something else. Uh, But we do know that Anita Sandoval was one of its creators and it's that's who also created Cyan and what happened with vast silver affected Cyan's development, you know. Uh, so yeah, that they, they, they're worried about all this stuff and they're like, they just want to get off this planet. Like, you know, you know how people like make that joke. It's like, I wish I could leave this planet. I don't want to be on this planet anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they actually can. And that's what they were planning to do. Uh, so I guess one of my questions is if the Pharaoh plague never happens, how does this work? You know, do they just all get on the Odyssey one day and peace out? Yeah. Do they fake their deaths? Uh, do they keep their corporations running? Uh, you know, because if they, especially the corporations thing, like if they didn't keep their corporations running, it would cause massive economic problems for the world. Because these 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 they, these are the people who own these mega corporations, right? Corporations so big that they can buy you know automated robot armies and fight other corporations for land. Right. So if they close they close out those corporations, like that's just millions of people if not billions out of jobs and out of work so like how does this work if the feral plague never happens but i wonder if they were doing this because of the feral plague we don't really have a timeline on this right no they weren't doing this because of the feral plague they so the odyssey was built before the feral plague right at least the project started and that was like a, a it was a bunch of nations got together and tried to build it but they dropped the project and then Far Zenith bought it and right. finished it up. But this was before, like, this is beforehand. Huh. I thought it was like concurrent. No, I, it, it definitely accelerated when the Feral Plague stuff happened, when they found out about the Feral Plague. Yeah, because that's, uh, that's a lot more questions than that I would have because it, it takes forever. Like the their plan is the this is the one where they talk about the other the the serious system, right? Yeah, going to the serious system. Yeah. yeah. So they said it takes three hundred years. So then, what's what's their plan? Are they just trying to get to this new system and create a whole new world, like uh, for their descendants, for themselves, for their 
clones like that that then opens a lot more questions of if the world wasn't dying then what's the purpose right well i mean the purpose the real purpose was because they didn't want to be on the planet anymore with us lowly normies that's that's the purpose you know they didn't want to have to deal with these earthly issues that is the purpose but i'm just saying like how do they do it without it being looking suspicious without the feral plague with the feral plague it makes perfect sense. Oh, okay. Odyssey's up. They're gonna take the they're gonna take these embryos out to Sirius as a way for humanity to survive. Without the feral plague is like, where did the richest people on the planet go? <laughs> you know, that that's the thing. They could just that's- say they're testing this new space, like they're testing the Odyssey or whatever. They're the first to experience this big spacecraft, and then it crushes quote-unquote like i think there's ways ways around it they're rich but my problem is when you take a bunch of elites and go to a new world that isn't inhabited there's going to be quote-unquote normies amongst the group there's always going to be some kind of social stature so you're you're not deleting the problem right well that's the thing that they can't they i mean it's a kind of a tough conversation to have to a degree but they they consider themselves above everybody else, right? So they kind of want to be with their own kind. They figure things will be better. But you're you want to right once yeah. they get there, it's not going to be better. It's gonna it's gonna probably be worse. They'll just kill each other. Maybe uh, yes. Yeah, I mean they they do have the best technologies and everything. You know, like because it is going to take three hundred years to get there. But for all we know, they could be freezing themselves and right. They'll wake up. They'll wake up. They'll wake up when they get there. Right. You know, so because they did have advanced technology, that's why they teamed up with Zero Dawn for those uh, incubators. Right, right. That's true. So we don't know what else they might have had. They could have anything, you know, that could help them get there. But yeah, I mean, I think the Feral Plague just caused it was like the perfect cover for them to get out without people really asking questions. Well, there will be no people to ask questions. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So I'm um, I'm curious what like what that would be like without the feral plague. So what was their yeah. plan without the feral plague? I will say that with all of this information that's like coming to us right here about Far Zenith and all of this information about the Odyssey, I'm like at this point, like, oh no, what if they faked the crash and they made it? Uh, like full conspiracy theory, right? So, like at this right. point, I was like, they, something has to be happening with this because they're just shoving it in our face. Right. That's the thing. same thing I had. I, I felt the developers wouldn't have taken the time to put us in a Farzina facility and to make these Farzina holograms, and they really went to like uh, you know start talking about kind of like detail about the Odyssey and where it was going to go and what it was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this has some impact on the game. Yeah. You know. I, I don't know what the impact is going to be, but maybe, like I said, maybe they did make it, or maybe there's some type of technology out there in space floating around because the ship blew up. That's gonna come. That's gonna end up helping humanity. Is that how they get Apollo? Because we know that they had a copy of Apollo. Right, right. So I was like, is that how we get Apollo back? And if we get Apollo back, that's how we learn how to take the terraforming system and you know stuff like that. So, um, yeah, like. They, they, there's just way too much information for it to be. Throw oh, away. yeah, his, it just throwaway, right? Yeah. Because in Zero Dawn, I mean, we barely heard about them. Like all they really did was provide the incubators for Luthia, and then their ship blew up. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the thing. I, I, how, as far as anything, really going to fit into the picture here is what we're, you know, we kind of need to figure out. Or, you know, are they even going to fit into the picture after we're out of this place? Because they, they may have just been fitting into the picture because they have a guy back up, right? Yeah. That's so. also very true. I just, like I said, at this point, and you can even watch if you want to go back and watch the VOD if it's still there. At this point, I was like, I don't, I, I had so many conspiracies in the beginning. I was like, I, I don't. Something something bigger is going on here. Right, exactly. So now they, the video did mention that they have a data center and Aloy thinks that's where that she can find the backup. So, you know, they start heading their way over there and then they see the tail of this large machine move out of the way as they're walking over. And honestly, this was lost on me. Like the effect of this was lost on me because it was already ruined because they put this machine in their ads. I already knew what type of machine it was. Mm-hmm. I already knew what it looked like. So them doing these like, you know, because if, you, if you're not paying attention, like you won't notice it. It'll kind of just look a piece of the of the building. But then it starts to move. And it's like, OK, like OK, I know who you are. I know what I want. I know what I'm about to fight. And this yep. is why I hate these types of reveals. In, <laughs> And, and advertisements, like stuff that you can't avoid. Like I'm just, I only saw that because I was flipping through Instagram and it's, it just pops up. It's the first thing. It's in the first like second of the ad. But it's like, not even that. It's a 20 second ad. Yeah. It's 20 seconds. Like you, you don't expect, because I watched it because I was scrolling and I was like, oh, this is 20 seconds, whatever. I thought it would be simple, like just scenes and shots and stuff. But no, <laughs> spoiler. Yeah. It's a huge, well, at least for me, like, they were probably like, oh, this machine shows up in the very beginning of the game, so it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to me. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I'm not even going to name the machine right now. We're going to wait <laughs> 10 minutes, <laughs> you know, uh, how long it's going to take. But, uh, yeah, so you get farther in the facility, and they come across a project called Anzu. It's another hologram, and it actually reveals how Farzineth obtained a copy of Gaia. The Zero Dawn terraforming system the brainchild of Dr. Elizabeth Sobek. Empowered by nine subordinate functions, Gaia, the core of the system, is capable of advanced planetary engineering, an obvious advantage to our space colonization efforts. Operation phase one, establish an asset within project Zero Dawn, status complete. Phase two, the asset will secretly beamcast a complete copy of Gaia and her subordinate functions to this facility's data center. If all goes well, Zero Dawn staff will remain completely unaware of the transmission. Risks. Discovery of this operation could result in Zero Dawn withholding the already negotiated Apollo database. Special care must be taken not to alert Travis Tate, the expert hacker in charge of Hades protocol. In addition, extreme caution must be exercised in regards to Dr. Sobek herself. As one of the world's preeminent technologists, she may have instituted unforeseen security measures. A complete assessment is attached. This concludes the executive summary. So far I've seen the stole Gaia from Zero Dawn, they planted an agent in the program. And the agent sent a copy of Gaia and its subordinate programs, you know, through uh, the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and they were trying to be cautious not to alert Elizabeth and Travis. And this is the first time Varl has seen a picture of Elizabeth. Right? Right. You know, in this hologram. And so, that, honestly, that's, that's I mean, the, the information they gave, like, makes sense. And I was like, okay, so far as anything, it's kind of sneaky. 
you know, so you do get that info. And Aloy is like, you know, taking that apart. And Varl's like, uh, why does she look like you? <laughs> you know, yeah, he's having a hard time understanding how, understanding how they can look identical. And Aloy, she's like explaining to him that she was created by Gaia to restore Gaia after she had to destroy herself. And, you know, he does put one and one together. And he was like, hey, when you went into the mountain, when you said you talked to the goddess, is this what you we were talking about? And it was like, yeah, but she's not a goddess. And Varl's like, well, how do you know? Sounds like she gave you a sacred task. <laughs> well, I guess he's not wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong. I was <laughs> like, like, he's not necessarily wrong. Like he's, it makes sense to say what he's saying in a way, but you know, he's still having a hard time letting go of it. You know, I feel like Aloy should have given him a rundown before they went in there. Like, hey, by the way. Here's the focus. You might see a woman that looks like me. I, you know, th this is what's happening, by the way. Instead, she's like, okay, come on, let's just go in. Right. Well, she didn't really want him to go in the first place, to be honest. That's so, true. You know, so uh, now there is a data point that serves as an intel briefing on certain people in Zero Dawn. So it reports on Elizabeth and says that, you know, she doesn't seem to be aware of Project Anzu. Because she is working obsessively on Gaia. And then it names the Farzanith agent Hank Shaw. And he is a beta working on Hades. And his agreement is that he'd have premium accommodations on the Odyssey, uh, you know, for doing what he's doing. And Farzanith agreed to this, but they already plan to kill him before the Odyssey's launched. Like I said, as soon as he transmits the data, they're going to, you know, they're going to get rid of him. Yeah, I don't know what he expects. He's not an elite. Yeah, so uh, I guess he ex he expected them to be honest. <laughs> now, one thing that was very interesting, well, not necessarily very interesting, but it does give you some more inf interest, uh, information onto what happened in Zero Dawn, is that uh, Ted Farrow, you, we know that he had this thing called Omega Clearance, in, and that's what he used to kill the Alphas in Horizon Zero Dawn, or at least lock them out of the system. Hank Shaw is the one who installed it for him. He, Hank Shaw, he coerced Hank Shaw into making this Omega level clearance for him. And Hank Shaw reported that back to Far Zenith. And they're like, we have no idea what he's going to use it for, but it's not a threat to us because they're going to be out of here. They're going to be, you know, off planet by the time everything goes down. Right. So they don't care. They, they do not care. But Hank Shaw is the one that installed it. And, that's how, so that's how Ted got his, that's, that's what I was saying. Like, Ted probably paid somebody to, you know, put that into the system for him. Because he is the one who built, he's the one who paid for everything to get fixed. Well, not everything to get fixed, but everything to get built. This dude's just double, triple crossing everybody out here. Like, no wonder he's like, yeah, he's going to get killed. What are you expecting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he was probably on Pharaoh's hit list, too. And he's yeah. like, Hank, show up for work today? No. Okay, problem solved, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, this kind of, uh, this whole interaction or this whole video, well, actually, first of all, the the, the videos that we've been seeing have kind of show how underhanded Farzanith has been, was because in the previous game, like, we didn't really have any negative things about them besides what they put into the press. That's all we have from them. They gave Zero Dawn, uh, the the incubators they traded that for Apollo, which makes sense though if they're going to make a colony off world, you know. Mm -hmm. And other than that, they we're just some great futurist organ. You know, we just wanted the betterment of humanity. When in reality, they just 
want to they are the best part of humanity and they're skipping town. <laughs> you know, that's what they want to do. To be fair, uh, I did not think that they were some kind of good guys because they're a corporation that purchased the Odyssey program and now they're putting all of their money into it. Like, okay, these are just like a bunch of billionaires doing their billionaire thing. Like I never put them on a good or bad guy scale, to be fair. I mean, that's true, but like they, they weren't really getting bad press either. You know, right. there's nothing they were very in the previous neutral. game. Exactly. There was nothing in the previous game that kind of shows how underhanded they were because now they're not not only did they lie in their videos and their press right, but they also stole uh, an important piece of technology from the Zero Dawn project and they were going to kill the guy who did it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, this kind of gives you an idea of who you're dealing with here. So you do get a frostling before you leave this area. Though. That was nice. When I got the frostling, I was like, oh, nice, a frostling. And then I was like, if they're giving this to me this early, this is not as effective as it was in the previous game. <laughs> like, this is not going to go as well as it did in the previous game. It's still not that bad, but I do have problems finding chill water. Yeah, I would say like every you could use the frost on everything in Zero Dawn, and this one yeah. not so much. Not so much. First of all, on hard, and I can't even imagine on very hard, but on hard, if a machine is not weak to frost good luck getting it to brittle because you will you just have to hit it time after time after time with frost just to get the brittle to the point that it might not be worth it because you're going to use up so many resources doing it i wonder if their intention was to combo elements then if it's not weak to ice but you still want to frost it just get it wet and then frost it that's what I've been doing. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it's because, yeah, like, like I said, I think it's in, 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 the, in the last episode, like drenching doesn't like do damage or anything like that, but it makes it does make shock more effective and it makes frost more effective. So that's yeah. how I because the, the wide maws are strong to frost uh, or they weak to frost. I think they're strong. They're to frost. strong to frost and weak to the purge water. Purge water. Yeah. yeah. But if you can freeze one if you hit it with the water first and then you frost it. So all right. So uh outside you can see the the large moving robot again, but you can't really fully identify it unless you saw the ad. But you do see it moving <laughs> again. And um, you know, Aloy, she does she's talking to Varl and she tells him about Ted Farrow and how, you know, because she's saying the last few months. She went looking for these guy backups, but they were all missing because Ted Farrow deleted them. So Ted Farrow must have deleted the Gaia backups along with the Apollo backups. But that doesn't make, I mean, maybe it was just one big archive and that's why he just purged everything. But I mean, and I guess maybe he figured that with Gaia up and running, they don't need Gaia backups anymore. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Maybe. But he did, he, he, along with the Apollo backups, he purged the, the guy backup. So another, another Ted Farrow special. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, you know, as you're getting close to the data center, you come across a launch pad, but there's not one, but three of our big, bad machine. And they're called Slither Fangs. And, uh, this is the big machine that killed all the Osiram. They're snake-like machines. They can shoot both acid and purge water. The tail has shock abilities, and you can shoot off the, uh, and it can shoot lightning as well as, you know, do this AOE shock attack. And it can also send out sound waves to, de- to like, deafen enemies or deafen you if it wanted to. It does have removable weapons. Like, if you blow the tail up, it drops these Slitherfang coil blasters. 
but it has three of them, I think. So even if you leave one on, it can still do the shock attacks. Oh, that's annoying. See, my mistake because of how the the new HUD is set up, I didn't realize. I don't know if it sh- if I shot off a gun or if there is one just on the ground, but I didn't realize it was there until after the fight, and I was very upset. Oh, I'll I'll tell you how it comes off. Like, cause it's, it's something very specific happens during that fight, and that's how it comes off. Oh, well, I'll I'll, I'll get to that. But uh, yeah, either way, like when you fight these things, like the acid is bad enough, but sometimes the pur- like if you get hit with the purge water and then it does a shock attack, like you're going to be in trouble. Like it's, I, it's gonna- <laughs> I hit it behind rocks the whole time, so I was pretty okay. Uh, I'm, I'll tell you what happened to me, like maybe because I was playing on hard, but it was not <laughs> playing that. So, uh, but there's a shuttle ready for launch. Well, it was at some point in history ready for launch on the launch pad and Aloy gets the idea to get it to fall on the slither thing. So. You know, you you go through some machines, you climb a tower that allows you access to where the shuttle is, and um, you kill some more machines, you find a panel that unclamps the shuttle, but it's being held in place by some cables, so she climbs the tower and destroys the cables, and the shuttle falls on two slither fangs, actually it falls on all three, technically speaking, uh, but obviously we're going to have a fight here, so it didn't destroy all three, it does destroy two of them though. And but it also destroys the tower that she was standing on. So she, you know, she you got this cutscene of her gracefully falling to very, a degree, very gracefully. <laughs> yeah, to agree. So, but when she reaches the the, the ground, there's one slither thing that like kind of pops up out of the rubble, and um, yeah, it tries to get her, but it's actually its tail is pinned down. So you start this fight on with the slither thing can't move in that much. You know, the game does give you a little time to use your focus to try to find weaknesses and stuff like that. But I know you said you hid behind rocks. Mm-hmm. After about 20 seconds of me being behind the rock, the Slither Fang knocked the rock away. It, the, the destructible environments are 100% active here. So I think I, it was a mixture of hiding behind rocks and dodging. It wasn't just hiding behind rocks. I did have some good rolls. I'm not really good at timing rolls because I get too anxious and push the button too early. But I feel like it didn't destroy the rocks super fast. Maybe maybe on hard mode, the rocks take more damage or something. The environment's not... Uh, maybe more brittle. Maybe. So, uh, yeah, I mean... So this is where I first found out that the environmental damage is just harder to use because I was trying to freeze it mm-hmm. and the bar, it was like barely going up. I, I I had to reload while I was like firing at it pretty much. Uh, but the machine eventually does break free and this is when it breaks its tail. And that's how the coil blasters come out. So it breaks off two coil blasters, but one is still attached to it. Did not see it until the battle was over. So I fought yeah. it just normal. Because it does like a little sequence and then it breaks itself free. And you can see that its its tail is broken off. Like they make sure that you see that the tail is not complete. Well, I didn't see it. So they didn't do a good enough job. So I just thought that that meant it was going to be weakened. But then as I'm running around, because I mean, this is our first time seeing the thing. How are we mm-hmm. supposed to know? Right. You know, so no, I'm, I'm kind of like right there with you. So, you know, they really throw a bone with you, throw a bone at you, not throw a bone at you, but they threw you a bone in this fight because <laughs> you're not fighting it like at kind of at full strength, right? They wanted to show how the machine works and how it moves and how to fight it. They didn't want to make it too difficult. They want, they did want you to have a big set piece in the beginning of the game. Uh, so that was kind of cool. But uh, once the, the fight is finished, Aloy, she does make her way into the data center. 
you find a data point where somebody from Farzina is trying to figure out what to do with Oswald. And it says that he's like really helpful, but with all the new members Farzina has gotten, there isn't enough space on the Odyssey farm and he lacks the skills they need in the future. So I don't know. They, they, I don't think they, they, they're saying they can't just let him go because they're worried about him retaliating. They said, so they, we need to give him a proper send off. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're going to try to kill him or not. Uh, okay. You know what? When I heard proper send off, I thought of something completely different of like letting him go, but in a different way. But yeah, you might be right. Maybe they just blasted him into space. Because the thing is, he knows that Farzanith is going, is trying to get the elites off of the earth. So if they tell him, like, yeah, there's no space for you in the Odyssey, he's like, well, I thought I was one of you. And they're like, nah, nah. Right. Like, you know, like, that's the thing. Like, the, how do you recover from that? That's what I, I'm like, I don't, they, they just got to kill him, in my opinion. And also, they said they have enough source material that they can generate a digital puppet of him. Mm-hmm. That tells me they're just going to kill him and use this digital puppet instead. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't know why my brain didn't go to that immediately. <laughs> because I was like, oh, digital puppet, whatever. Like, that makes sense. But he'd still retaliate if he was alive. Exactly. Did he tell everybody what Farzanath really was and what they were trying to do? And that the right. the whole thing was a farce? Like, you know. he. So I don't I, Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I was like, like, what do you mean a proper send off? You know? Or they could pretend like the Odyssey is being blasted off and send him, like I said, in a random ship and blast him into space and be like, all right, that <laughs> is just, it is a send off of some sort. That is true. Like, is that some type of like internal joke to them? So <laughs> maybe who knows, but I, I've yet like to, to find more about that in the game. So maybe, but, uh, you know, shortly after that, Aloy finds Gaia or at least what she thought was Gaia, you know, cause the boost was like, oh, this is Gaia 6.9. And apparently, what happened was Travis Tate found out about Farzina's plot to steal Gaia. And so he sent a Trojan instead that looked like Gaia, but it was a logic bomb to destroy all of their data. Was it so, really version 6.9? Probably not. Okay. I was <laughs> like, because if it was, I didn't catch oh, that. No, and that was great. No, it, it was like 6.9, I think, in the actual like video. I ten, can tell you. 10 out of 10. Yeah, 6.9. <laughs> it was 100% definitely Gaia version 6.9. I love that. Yeah, it's Travis Tate, everybody. I so. <laughs> love Travis so much. Oh, yeah. You do see him a little bit later. Well, not him, but you do get like a hologram later on in the game. But that's the last one I saw of him. But maybe there'll be more. But, you know, Aloy, she's upset because it's like, you know, this is this, she thought this was going to be it. She's like, this is my last lead. This is going to be. You know, if if I can find it, this is going to be great. And she was excited at first, but when she realized what it was, you know, she started getting upset. And then Varl comes around the corner like, the goddess, <laughs> you know. And I think, she, you know, she's upset and she kind of snaps at him. She's like, there is no goddess, Varl. Like, you know, this is a fake and, you know, runs out of the room. So, you know, she she was definitely really upset. But, you know, Varl's like, I've seen everything now. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, but they leave the facility, and after that, she had a chance to, you know, after she's had a chance to cool down, she apologized to Varl. You know, she tells him that she is out of leads, and so she needs to go searching him fast, and she's willing to take whatever risk she has to. 
And I mean, she's basically saying, she, she, you know, she says it doesn't make sense for him to come along uh, because he might get hurt, you know. So it, he's trying to, she's trying to nicely tell him that, like, look, you might slow me down. And you might actually get killed. I don't want to be responsible for that. Right. You know, it's one of those, you know, this is all on me type of speech. Right. This is this. She says that again. She says, this is, this is on me, not you. But like her, what she's doing affects the entire world. So uh, you would think that you would accept some help. Exactly. That's the same exact note I've written. We didn't share this, by the way. Like together, like like, what she's doing. It affects all of humanity. She should be taking any help she can get. Right. I mean, so what if some people die? Like that's a sacrifice she should be willing to take. You know, because the problem is if she's by herself and gets into some crap and she dies, nobody else can take her place. That is one hundred percent true. Until they figure out how to make clones on their own, but they don't. And even if they found that out, how much time are we saying we even have? Like, who knows how long the world is disintegrating? That is correct. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's the thing is, like, sure, like, she's the one that that holds the keys. But at the same time, this affects everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody. So, you know, Varl, he brings up silence. He's like, you know, he brings up the fact that he'll probably be able to help her because he's the one that helped her the most in the past, which... I mean, we talked about it. Without silence, she would not have been able to do what she did to Horizons or Dawn. Yep. Period. You know. So Aloy says she hasn't heard from him, you know, since, well, I guess since uh, um, Gaia Prime, essentially. Right? Yeah. You know, because, yeah, because technically, oh, no, I mean, I guess, I guess Gaia Prime, no, because you could do Forbidden, not Forbidden West, sorry, Frozen Wilds after Gaia Prime. So either Gaia Prime or Frozen Wilds is the last time you actually hear about silence. You know? Oh, that's true. Because when you do Frozen Wilds after you go there because you have his sphere, people talk about it. And he talks to you yeah. while you're going into and when you finish it. So, but she, she says that, like, I think she said that I haven't talked to him since he gave me his lance or something like that. So. Right, yeah, something to that effect. So, uh, which is weird because she does acknowledge the frozen wilds in in other parts of the game. She does it. She does acknowledge the frozen wilds for sure. She does, but I think the game makes it a point to. I think, yeah, the frozen wilds is so weird because you can do it at any time before the looming shadow. So there is a chance that you beat it before you get a spear. That is true. Like a bigger chance. I feel like a lot of people probably did it. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's 50-50. It's just, it's hard to actually pin down. So maybe they're saying here that the Frozen Wilds technically took place before Gaia Prime. Probably. Right. So, um, uh, you know, it was like, I I haven't heard from him, but Varl brings up Spymaster Maraud. He's like, hey, you know, he's good to find him, people. So at first she's she's just hesitant. She she's not really sure if she wants to go back to Meridian. I mean, she it might be a waste of time for her because you know it's all about time for her now. But she does agree, and Varl's like, "All right, we got a long walk ahead of us." And she's like, oh, "I got a different idea." And that is when Varl rides a charger for the first time, and his face is funny as he is like getting used to it. Yeah, I love this scene. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about it. It was just really funny because they don't have like horses. Or anything to ride. So this is the first time he's... I'm going to tell you right now, I don't... From someone who has ridden horses in the past, this thing was going on 
full speed and it looks like its gait is really rough if he's bouncing all around. So how he adjusted himself fast enough to just sit on that machine. He's a god. He's a he's a riding master. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just funny, but they do ride all the way to Meridian. And that is where we're actually going to stop this episode. In the next episode, we're going to pick up in Meridian where we talk to Spy Master Marad because something has been happening while Aloy is gone. And uh, he, we're going to talk about that. But, yeah, I mean, normally, like, this is the part of the show where I'll ask Christina, like, what does she think, how she's doing? But yeah, we're both on the same journey now, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what are your initial thoughts here? The intro, this part of the intro, when I was playing it, felt like it was super fast. And then I'm going back through the video and I'm like, oh my God, this took so long. It's a very long intro and they give you so much info. So they treat you like you don't know anything, but then throw all this info at you like you know everything at the same time. And I'm like, I don't I don't know how to feel right now, but the game's beautiful. And at this point, wasn't there wasn't really anything super overwhelming. So I was I was kind of just vibing here. Yeah, I mean, once we get a bit further into the game, I do want to talk about the difference between how they handled Horizon Zero, the the opening for Horizon Zero Dawn and the opening for Forbidden West, because it definitely does drag a bit longer. I mean, just from like the the on rails part, which was kind of like, you know, the bobblehead, that takes like 30 minutes. Yeah, it takes like 30 minutes, you know, but here we're already... I mean, my, on my video, I think I got done with this in about, I want to say about an hour, let's say 90 minutes. It took just to get through that part. You know, I was hitting everything. I was opening up every crate. I was checking mm-hmm. every nook and cranny. Uh, if I if I rushed through it, it was probably faster. But, you know, still, I would say it was still taking about an hour just to get through this this one part. So, yeah. And I don't know. It's not like Horizon Zero Dawn where it's the very first game. They have to do a ton of world building. They don't have to do. They just kind of need to catch you up a little bit. Yeah, but they did that a lot because they need to catch you up. They need to reteach you how to play the game. Plus, they added a bunch of new mechanics. Right. Well, even like, I mean, yeah, they showed you a few mechanics here, but like most of the mechanics you're going to learn in in the first open world area, the Daunt. Yeah, also true. I think also another thing is it's a lot of it is Aloy. Well, I guess in the first one, Ross is telling Aloy how to do things. So I was going to say it's a lot of Aloy explaining to Varl how things work and stuff. But that's, I guess, not much different than the first one. I think they just wanted to set up the pace kind of for the game. And like they wanted to show you like such a big thing right away. That is true because they definitely didn't like, you know, nothing they showed in the first 30 minutes of Horizon Zero Zone was that big, right? It's not like you didn't see a sawtooth in the first hour of Horizon Zero Dawn. Right. So. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you just basically it's it's a huge area where you kind of catch up on what people have been doing to a degree. You know, even the next area is like a big catch up. Like when you go to Meridian, it's like, oh, what's up? <laughs> you know, what <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> you know, it, so it's kind of catching up on the on the game world. But, you know, uh, still got me interested. No red flags or anything like that playing this, at this part of the game yet, mm-hmm. you know. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, we're going to talk about what happens in Meridian in the next episode. And, uh, with that, I'd like to thank you guys for listening. If you want to keep what's going on with this show and mash those buttons, 
You can follow us on twitter.com slash the mash network. Uh, Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at s'mores pop tart on Twitter and switch. I'm also a host on a podcast called wondrous tales. We talk about final fantasy 14 content and pretty much anything we feel like talking about. So it's fun. Come listen. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Stradamus. Uh, and you can sometimes find me streaming on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we'd love to have you join our discord mash.gg slash discord. You come and talk to us about, you know, what you feel about the game, what you think about the, uh, the show. Uh, we do have like, you know, regular channels and also uh, spoiler channels in case you're a bit further ahead. We're worried about getting spoiled on the game. And, uh, you know, I encourage you guys to reach out to us with comments and questions. So please do so on the discord. Uh, you can also do so on Twitter. You can also email us at contact at mash.gg. If you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others and also to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take a support a bit further, you can do that at mtv.gg slash support and see all the different ways you can support Mash Those Buttons. We have a Patreon, uh, there's a Teespring store, uh, we do have uh, two subscriptions available, a Humble Bundle affiliate links, and also PayPal one-time donation links if you want to help support the network monetarily. And I encourage everybody to stay after the show to hear more about Mash's Buttons. And uh, yeah, we're done for the day. We will see you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 